Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Ocean State Sidelines. I'm Brendan McGare, sports writer with the Pawtucket Times Woonsocket Call, joined today by my co-pilot, Will Gagan, sports editor of The Independent. Uh, Will, before we uh, dive into today's uh, topic, uh, how are you surviving uh, COVID-19? All, all things considered, not, not bad at all. Getting through, it's uh, it's a little strange, as as you know as well, not covering sports. Uh, but we're finding things to write about, and uh, family's healthy, so that's all that really matters. Yeah, I think that's the two biggest things. We're still finding, you know, stories to tell, and yep. you know, knock on wood, all family members, you know, on my end and your end are healthy and doing well and, you know, just waiting out this pandemic. Uh, I guess uh, our lives are pretty much defined by uh, sleep, eat, work, and then shelter in place. <laughs> it all blurs together at this point. I don't, I don't, not sure what day it is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, today we're going to talk about um, the high school football realignment for the uh, 2020 season and the uh, many twists and turns, Will, that kind of got us to uh, what the uh, Rhode Island Interscholastic League's Principals Committee um, approved a couple weeks back. And, uh, you know, just for a disclaimer, this realignment is only for the 2020 season. And uh, it's quite the shakeup, I think, at least from previous uh, realignments. It is. You know, I think they've looked at it as, all right, this is only for one season. So let's try something. Let's try some different things, uh, which is, I think is okay. Um and it, it, it's certainly something different, uh, especially at the Division One level. And, uh, you know, kind of see how it goes in this one year. And if, if people like it, if it seems to work, if, uh, if it gives us a good uh, good product, then maybe it sticks around when, when realignment happens again. And, you know, just for the backstory, the um, all uh, originally the Interscholastic League Principals Committee was not going to make any realignment changes for the 2020, for the 2020, 2021 school year. Try saying that three times fast. Um, they were going to kind of leave everything as is, basically just reverting back to the uh, realignments for the 2018, 2019 season and then touch realignment after the completion of next year's school year, well, that was a, caused a little bit of an uproar for teams that were kind of geared up to move up and down. And, you know, they, some of the teams didn't want to stay in their correct divisions. You know, the principals committee had a kind of, sounded like they had a change of heart and realignment went forward as is. But however, the next time that uh, the principals committee got together virtually, all the, all the fall 2020 sports were approved except one, football. Right, right. So they they basically sent sent back the original proposal, football proposal, and said, "Come up with something different." Uh, and that is the the finished product that we have now that was approved uh, approved by the PCOA uh, in April or uh, mid April. It looks like uh, passed by an eight to one vote in the PCOA. So this is what we'll go with for twenty twenty. And and like you said, you know, there was kind of an uproar, and I think part of that probably stemmed from football because. The last two years, it was just such an imperfect playoff scenario with having the, the two teams automatically advancing from the, from the divisions, and yet we're at Kingstown both years, looking like the second-best team in the state, but unable to challenge the best team in the state for the Super Bowl. And that situation has been rectified in this alignment. So as we, as we dive into it more here, we can talk more about that. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just before we uh – you know, dive into it. I like to look at two schools, one each from our coverage areas. 
how they both ended up kind of being in Division One. You know, let's look at you know South Kingstown for example. You know, since uh, I went back to the 2014 season, and they've been a Division One participant all of those years uh, for the past six seasons. They've lost 24 league games over that span. You know, culminating each of the past two years with two and five records in league play. You know, their best finish over that span was a six and one mark in 2016. And then I want to compare contrast with a team like Barville, who has lost two league games over that span. But however, you know, during that six-year period that I referenced about South Kingstown, you know, a couple of years were spent in Division Four, a few years in Division Three, and the last two years in Division Two. And uh, you know, it's kind of speaks to the imperfect system of how teams get about slotted. But uh, it's uh, you know, those are two teams that I think they're pretty. Uh, you know, worthy test case about realignment since, you know, if you look at the power rankings of everything shook out, South Kingstown finished 13th and Burville finished 14th. Yeah, it's, it's like you said, it's an imperfect system. I think once you open the door to realignment, there is, it's very hard to create a perfect system because the, there's so many different factors you're trying to bring in. You know, I, I've seen ideas about, you know, maybe just regional alignments and, and uh, strictly on school size. I think that, while also creating some imperfect results, um, it is a, can, can be a better system because it's just like, this is what it is. You're not going anywhere. This is what it is. Um, so I, I, you know, I could see something like that working better. Once you really start tweaking things and you have this formula with school size and winning percentage for eight years and, and all this stuff and there's no real uh, subjective part because you can't put subjective things into it, you end up with some, some odd, odd situations. Um, so, it's, yeah, I think once that happens, once you're willing to go with that formula, you have to be willing to accept that you're going to get some weird things. Um, in this case, I mean, South Kingstown, I think they're okay staying in Division One. Their numbers have dipped, um, so that's going to be a challenge for them. Um, Burrowville, you know, I, I think they're probably ready for the challenge, knowing the way that program operates. Yeah, like we said, back in, Joe, you know, it's just like back in six years ago, 2014, they were a Division Four team, and here it is, 2020, <sighs> you're up in Division One. I mean, that's, I mean, we've been covering high school sports for a while. I've never seen a meteoric rise like that. No, that's true. That's absolutely true. And hopefully, you know, they can keep it going and, uh, and, and be able to be a strong strong team in Division One. Another team that's moving up is East Greenwich, uh, a really small school. Like, that, you know, profile-wise doesn't fit them. And, and you could see them struggling in D1, but they've also been such a dominant D2 team. It's a question of, well, where, where do they go? So that kind of stuff, uh, it happens. Maybe teams aren't slotted exactly where they want, but um, we'll play it out in 2020 and see what happens. Yeah, and like you said, it's only for the 2020 season. They will revisit this after the conclusion of next season. But, um, you know, just looking at Division One, what was approved by the uh, Principals Committee on April 23rd, there's three subdivisions within Division One right now. You have a power division, you have a Division One A, and you have Division One B. And power division one. Bishop Hendrickson, North Kingstown, LaSalle, Portsmouth. I think, you know, if you were going to do a smaller subdivision one, those are probably the four teams that you probably would go with. Yep. Yeah, then when they did the rankings, the, the formula rankings, it comes out with Hendrickson one, North Kingstown two, LaSalle three, Portsmouth five, but they end up in the power division, uh, I assume, by choice. Um, but yeah, as far as like strong programs historically and recently, 
I mean, those, those are clearly the top four. And if you're going to do this sort of power group of putting the best teams together, having them all play each other, having them play for the state championship, I think you've got the, the right four teams there. Uh, and I think it's a cool concept. It, it's sort of like uh, what, you know, on the Rhode Island scene, what hockey has tried over the years, where they'll have a larger Division One. I think they called it Division One, the championship division, and the, I, I don't even remember. I, they change it every year in hockey, Division One A, where you have the top tier teams and then second tier, and they all play each other in the regular season, and then and then break off in the playoffs. Uh, and I think it, it, it kind of makes sense to to do it that way when you have teams that maybe are good enough to to compete with these teams, especially in a given year, but in general. It's not there, you know. There is a gap between the top tier of Division One and the rest, the rest of the teams in the league. And then you, know, you go over to the Division One A side, and you have Cranston West, Central, East Providence, Woonsocket, and South Kingstown. Woonsocket, a newcomer, back up in Division One after winning the past two Division Two Super Bowls. And on the one B side, you have Shea Cumberland, Cranston East, and the uh, aforementioned two new teams, East Grange and Burrowville. How the schedule works? It's kind of complicated but uh you know if you're a 1a and you're a 1b team you're going to play everybody within your subdivision and then you're going to cross over and that would give you i believe five league games and then uh the additional league game is uh that's where it gets a little bit interesting you can play up to play a power one team you can maybe play down however there's points values assigned to these games now, which is a new twist as well. So similar to the boys basketball and girls basketball scene over the last, you know, de- almost a decade right now for that system, where uh, you earn points to try to get into the uh, open state tournament. Yeah, very similar concept. God bless the people who are keeping track of all this, because <laughs> it is it is like you said, a little complicated. Uh, but we'll end up with a state championship playoffs and division one playoffs. And, you know, the, the biggest thing for me, the biggest takeaway is this rectifies the situation that I mentioned earlier in the last two years where you had your teams automatically advancing from each subdivision to the state championship Super Bowl. Now things are going to be decided on the field in, in all of these all of these brackets. Uh, and you're going to get teams, the best teams playing each other from, from each of these groups, um, which hopefully should make for a, an exciting postseason. It should, and uh, you know, just uh, to go back to Division One A and Division One B, the crossovers are pretty much already set. When if you look at uh, it, um, you know, Cranston West will take on Shea for their cross- crossover. Central will take on Cumberland. East Providence will take on Cranston East. Woonsocket will take on East Greenwich, and South Kingstown will take on Burville, which they actually played each other in non-leaguers uh, the last couple of years. So that's nothing yeah. new for those two programs. Yeah, they'll, they'll be uh, reunited here. Um, then we'll uh, switch gears. We'll go to Division Two, which is a 12-team league. You're going to be playing six league games in seven weeks, and the seventh game is school choice, which is another kind of hazy term thrown out here by the uh, principals committee. But uh, you know, just uh, to break it down, the 2A side of the ledger: Moses Brown, which drops down from Division One, Mount Pleasant. Then you have Tolman, which is moving up from Division Three. You have West Warwick, Middletown, and Mount Hope. And on the 2B side, you have Westerly, Pilgrim, which is moving up from Division III uh, after winning last year's D3 Super Bowl. You have Barrington, which is dropping down from Division I. Rogers, 
Lincoln, and then St. Raphael, which is dropping down from Division One. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting, interesting league because you've got you know, twelve teams, and only seven of them were in Division Two last year. So you have teams moving up, teams moving down, like you mentioned. So it's a lot of teams that haven't played each other recently. Um, and, you know, it, it gives uh, it gives teams like Moses Brown, St. Ray's, uh, Barrington, who had struggled in Division One. You know, now they drop to Division Two. Maybe they can rebuild a little bit get back to division one at some point if that's the goal um you know it's it's uh it's kind of a different look so you'll you'll get some cool matchups i think that we haven't haven't seen before yeah it'll be a brave new world for some of those schools like and then pilgrim a a team that's moving up from uh from d3 after uh, dominating that landscape over the last couple years um switching gears to division three which is an 18 league you play seven games in eight weeks the eighth game is another school choice you have uh, Central Falls, Classical, Coventry, which is dropping down from Division Two. You have Tiverton. You have the North Smithfield Mount St. Charles Co-op team, which won last year's Division Four Super Bowl. They're moving up. You have Charaho. You have Johnston. And then you have the return of the Juanita Sanchez uh, Wheeler PCD Co-op team after uh, being on hiatus uh, for this past season. Yeah, they, they played, but they weren't technically part of the league. They're essentially playing like non-league games, so they, they remain in Division Three. Uh, this is another division where, where you see some changes. You know, you look at the playoffs in Division Three last year, the four teams that were in were Pilgrim, Tolman, Cherahoe, and Narragansett. So now you have Pilgrim and Tolman, both have gone to Division Two. Cherahoe remains. Narragansett actually dropped to Division Four. So another totally new look. Um, I'll be interested to see, um, you know, Central Falls had a lot of success at this level a couple of years ago. A really strong team. Can they, you know, kind of, kind of be be maybe the bullies of this league? Classical after coming down from Division Two, and Coventry, you know, similar kind of situation. Um, you know what they can do, and then the North Smithfield Mount St. Charles Co-op, you know, so successful in Division Four, and now they bump up. Well, let's let's see what they can do as well. And then over Division Four, which is a nine-team league, you play eight games in nine weeks. You have Tollgate, North Providence, Narragansett, which is dropping down from Division Three. Hope, Pontagansett, Smithfield, the East Greenwich, uh, no, I should say Exeter, West Greenwich, proud co-op team, Davies Tech, and then Situate. Yeah, and that's a you know another uh, you know group with Narragansett moving down. Um, you know, I think Narragansett is by school size fits certainly fits in Division Four. I, I think you know they maybe could have could have stayed in, in Division Three. They're kind of right on that borderline uh, in terms of the, the formula rankings. Um, but it, it may be a good better place because the, the school is so small. You know they had a great team last year, but they'll lose some seniors, so maybe maybe the best place for them going forward. And uh, I guess we'll we'll touch briefly on the uh, the point system that's been assigned to each of these games. Uh, you know, if you're a Division One power, you win. You get 16 points for every win, and then eight points for every loss. So there is a, a value here assigned for every win and loss, which is kind of unique, I think. In Division One, you get assigned 10 points per win, five points for a loss. Division Two, six points for a win, three points for a loss. Division Three. 3.6 points for every win, 1.8 points for every loss. Division four, 2.2 points for every win, 1.1 points for every loss. And this is just for the seeding for the Division one A and B playoffs, so that kind of second tier. So this doesn't impact the Division two teams at all. 
So this is the Division One A B teams. You know, for them, it, it makes the most sense. Like in that school choice game, probably to play a power division team if you can get them on the schedule. Because even if you lose, you get eight points. If you had beaten a Division Two team, you only get six. Um, so it's it's a little interesting. With like you said, having the the losses count for points, it does reward you for. Uh, for kind of playing up and challenging yourself a little bit. It kind of like, you know, when, you know, for example, URI football, when they go to Virginia Tech, they get a nice payday. Regardless of the loss, they're still going to walk away with a nice check, which will go to benefit the uh, football program. It's kind of similar to that where you're going to, you you might schedule up, but you still have a chance to come away with something if you play a Division I power team. At least you come away with eight points, which, you know, could really come – prove to be beneficial when they decide the seedings for the uh, Division One tournament. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that shakes out in terms of the schedule making. Um, one thing that is, uh, we're not entirely sure is how the, the playoff brackets will work. Um, the, the championship division, they've left some room, or the, the yeah, the state championship division, the Power Four. I guess they've left some room for uh, you know, possibly having additional teams move into the state championship seeding. I, I don't know. Uh, it's still early, and we'll see how that, that gets cemented. I don't know exactly how that's going to work, um, but that is a note in the, the playoff part of this proposal. Yes, but uh, you know, just looking ahead to the 2020 season, I think uh, you know it should be exciting, and you know, some teams have already uh, you know posted a schedule. I checked uh, the, on Facebook this morning right before we came on, and Winsocket has already posted their 2020 schedule. They're kind of going ahead as you know business as usual. You know, there's still, uh, you know, emails are being sent out that the first day in uh, pads for practice wise is August 17th. So teams, you know, as much as we're, you know, uncertain about what sports might look like in the fall, they're still kind of going ahead in terms of making plans, definite plans to be more yeah, specific. I mean, that's really the only thing you can do is, is plan and, and hope for the best. And, you know, I think we all hope that, um, you know, for many reasons that, that sports will be back, you know, hoping that the situation will calm, that, that, you know, it's not um, the crisis that it, that it has been and that uh, fewer people are getting sick, um, obviously, that, that we can get back to school and kind of get back to some, some normalcy. And, and sports would be a big part of that if it, if it is able to happen. Um, you know, even in, in somewhat different circumstances, maybe crowds are limited, um, like we saw at the end of the basketball state tournament, uh, but maybe not, maybe we won't, won't need that going forward. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Like you said, it's all about hope. And that was a uh, theme for the longest time in terms of maybe whether spring sports could get off the ground. And we know how that all turned out. And, you know, I think as I wrote, uh, you know, fall sports are officially on the clock. You know, the good news is you don't have to make a decision tomorrow, not even a month from now. Maybe uh, we'll be in a better spot come July, August, and uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, a football season that I think offers a lot of intrigue because, uh, like we said, there's a lot of teams that are in new divisions, and as we know, that will represent new challenges. Yeah, it'll be interesting if if everything plays out and we we get a football season. It's going to be a fun one to watch, I think, so it'll be something to look forward to right now. Well, that'll do it for uh, the latest episode of uh, Ocean State Sidelines. Uh, we'll be back, you know, I guess, relatively soon. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe we'll get actually a summer baseball league out of this. Uh, you know, I'd obviously, you know, Will, you wrote the book about uh, the definitive book. I call it on the uh, summer baseball experience, <laughs> but uh, no Cape League, no uh, NECBL. The Futures League, I guess, is a little. You know, they're going to push back their start date. 
watch out, I guess, maybe for the uh, George Donnelly Sunset League. That could be a, uh, a popular spot this summer. It's true, yeah. This may, we might go back in time a little bit and have, have an amateur league being sort of a destination for guys. So We'll see. We'll, we'll play it by ear. Play it by ear. Fingers crossed. And uh, more importantly, everyone stay safe out there. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening.